seated. Unless you want to stand the whole time, that's fine too. I uh, an announcement. Um, yeah, I brought it up here with me. Uh, Tracy Weems. I don't know if you, some of you um, went here with Tracy. Tracy Weems passed away uh, at uh, 51, and his the visitation is tonight at um, Latimer at five to seven, and the funerals tomorrow at New, New Shiloh at 2 p.m. Um, I don't know any of the details of that particular situation, but I know Tracy, um, and it saddens me. And so, but be praying for him and his family, and if if you want to go to that, there are the details. Um, and so I um, grew up in Dequeen, Arkansas, doing um, things that you do in Dequeen, Arkansas. Uh, in the summers, we would um, play basketball and run around with friends. But in the, sum- the summer of my junior year, I always made sure that I was home by noon from doing whatever it was I was doing. Um, because I had a ritual, I watched a, a television show with my mother um, called Days of Our Lives. Um, I don't know if you've seen this show, but it's quite dramatic. And those of you who are serious Days fans who watch that every day, and you're like, Benjamin, I don't know if you're real, you think you're just messing with me. Um, I watched in, I think it was in 99, when um, John and Marlena were having a rift because Marlena got possessed by a demon and her eyes turned green. So, there, I've proved myself. Um, I was actually in Walmart the other day in line and I saw uh, the soap opera Digest um, and it was on the front. In 2016, this was a 2016 issue, it said, John and Marlena having troubles. And I thought, yeah, it felt so nostalgic to watch their marriage fall apart. (laughs) So, anyway, we would watch that. And one of the big things that they did in those shows, and maybe you watched one of the other ones that aren't as good as Days. Uh, Maybe you watched one one of those shows. Uh, What happens is they, they say, tune in next week. You know, they had this, like... Next, the next week is the big week in which, if you pay attention, next week will be the week that they'll tell you that next week will be the week. So you got to turn. Actually, it's every day. So tune in tomorrow because tomorrow will tell you to tune in tomorrow. And it's, they're just going to keep you on the edge and pull you along as long as they can. And there I went. I went right with it. And so for about a month after I... Um, got back to school, I or went started going back to school in the fall, I would come home and I would say, Mom, what happened? And I would do that over a regular period of time, and then I got to realize, nothing. <laughs> nothing happened. At all. And so, John and Marlena, uh, this is what, 17 years later, they're still having it out. And they want, they want to have these little twists and turns, and we just we eat those twists and turns up. ABC has figured this out with their television shows. Just about every show on ABC now has a twist, and at the, the series finale, there's just a question mark at the end. Like, tune in in three and a half months. Make sure to tune in so we can sell our ads, and you will buy the things we tell you to buy. 
And so they want these little, these little um, um, shifts in the Bible, not, uh, in, the, in their story. But in the Bible, this is hard for us because th- there are these stories that where they shift it and they say this is, the t- you know, it's, it's a dumb, dumb, dumb part. Like in, and, and, it's, and it's much cooler than, you know, the baby is really your twin pirate brother's son, um, not yours. It's better than that. But it's, it's, it's like these little nuances where, where the writer in the gospel will say this one thing, and all of a sudden everyone goes, oh, or, or, or whoa. Or, you know, there's this sh- sh- shock value if, you, if, if you're paying attention to the story. But the problem is, we didn't live in that time, and we didn't live in their land. And so we don't even get some of the geography that would make this important. We don't get some of the social tendencies that would make this important. So what I'm going to do today is tell you a story about ten lepers. Lepers. These are guys with a skin disease. It might not necessarily be leprosy. Um, it, it, some, some, it might've been leprosy, but for the most part, it was just a skin disease that made, made them outcasts. Once you got a skin disease in um, Israel, the law said that you need to get away from everybody else and, and, and wrap yourself up, make sure no one sees, um, the, the, the marks on your skin and stay away. And whenever you would approach somebody, you would have to see them and you say, I'm unclean, stay away. And they would, they would. Say, of course, um, try this in Walmart. It really helps. Just people, go away, I'm unclean. And then there you go. You just walk where you want to go. Do, you can do that in a hospital too. Just walk around like this. People will open doors for you. Wet hands. I'm going to tell you the story about the ten lepers who had, had kind of gotten together. Um, but the geography at the very beginning, the, the stuff at the very beginning, sets up an interesting tension in the story that all of the hearers of the original story are wondering, well, what is it? Who are these people? And where did they come from? Okay, so um, it says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, uh, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. All right, already there, we don't know. Basically, um, there are there are three regions that you need to worry about in this story. I'll add a fourth here. Um, here, I'll flip my map so it's good for you guys. All right, so it goes Galilee up top on the north, Samaria just south of Galilee, and Judea just south of Samaria. Jerusalem is in Judea. Jesus was born and or Jesus was raised in uh, in Nazareth, which is in Galilee. So he lives in Galilee up north, and when he travels to Jerusalem, uh, it's it's about a forty mile hike. But to take the actual road, it's about fifty to fifty five miles. You you're in you end up walking. Now, Jewish people did not like to go through Samaria because Samaria had Samaritans and they didn't like Samaritans. So we've got a geographical problem and we've got a a social problem. And Jesus is walking on the border of Galilee and Samaria. Now, what this means is he is heading due east. 
He is going to walk east of Samaria, between right around the, the river, between Samaria and the Decapolis. There's a highway that runs right straight down and then uh, hooks west at Jericho. After it heads south past Samaria, hooks west at Jericho, heads up to Bethany, Bethpage, Jerusalem. Okay, everyone's got that clearly in their minds. I'm just saying they don't want to walk through Samaria. So they're walking along the border of Galilee and Samaria. Now, here's the problem that they have with Samaritans. Samaritans worship at a different place. Now, it was racial. There were Samaritans were what they would call, um, they, they said those, those people weren't pure Israelites. And so they called them dogs, which was not nice. But that was only part of the problem. Part of the problem was racial. But most of the problem was religious. The Samaritan people believed that you were, they were called by God to worship on a mountain in Samaria. The Jewish people believed they were called by God to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. So each place had its own temple, each place had its own priests, and each place followed the law. It was just, where are you worshiping? And so people got in these huge arguments, not about who they were worshiping, but where they were worshiping. I know this is hard to comprehend for us, because that would never happen here, ever. So, but they, they got they got this they they got in these huge arguments about where you worship. All right, so there's all that tension that's been that's been bubbling for for over a century for over several centuries, and it's that's just in the water. That's where the story takes takes place along the border of Galilee and Samaria on the way to Jerusalem. Okay, so on the way, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master or Teacher or Sir, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice Jesus doesn't say, well, come on over here. What he says is go. When he, came, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, at this point in the story, if you're a Jewish person here in the story, you're thinking, whoa, wait, hold on a second. What village was this? Was it a Samaritan village or was it a Galilean village? Because that matters. Were these lepers Samaritans or Jewish people? Because that matters. And here Luke just says, well, these in a certain anonymous village, 10 anonymous lepers show up and they are. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. At this point, if you're Jewish, you're wondering which priests. When he says go to the temple, he says, which temple? They're very, I mean, if you are following this story for the first time as a Jewish person, there is a tension building that you, why aren't they answering my questions? Did he heal Samaritan lepers or did he heal Jewish 
ones. And where are they going to worship God? That's the big question at the end. You go to the temple. Which temple are they going to? Is it the one in Samaria or is it the one in Jerusalem? On the way to the temple, regardless, it doesn't give you the information at this point. He's holding it back. Regardless, on the way to the temple, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice and thanked him. And then it says, and he was a Samaritan. That's the, that's the, like, I know that doesn't phase us at all. That's a, that's a days of our lives twist in the Bible. I mean, the, the Greek here says, dum, 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 but we just leave it blank. Like, it is, everyone hearing this story said, oh, that, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I just sort of assumed he was going to Jerusalem. I just sort of assumed it was a Jewish village. He was on his way to Jerusalem. But this guy wasn't on his way to Jerusalem. This guy was on his way to Mount Gerizim in Samaria. He was going to the wrong temple. And he got cleansed anyway. He was on his way to the wrong place. The, what it seems like, and we'll see this in Jesus' answer, what it seems like happened is this was a mix. Once you became a, a leprous person, once you become an outcast of society, it didn't matter really who you hung out with. So if you were a leper, all of a sudden, that, that was your identity. It wasn't that you were Jewish or Samaritan. So it was probably a group of people who, were all, who, all, um, who all had skin diseases and hung out with each other um, because they had no one else to hang out with. And so Jesus sends them on their way, and what it, turned, it seems like to me is that there was one Samaritan, and there were nine Jewish men. Because the one Samaritan turns and is on his own. Um, doesn't call to the others. So, and then Je- and Jesus says at the end, Jesus asks, where are, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? So he's the foreigner out of the bunch. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Okay. If you are a leper, if you have a skin disease, and and by some wonderful thing, your skin disease goes away, you are healed, you then are required, both as a Samaritan to go to Mount Gerizim, to, um, or as a Jewish person to go to Jerusalem, to go to the temple, present yourself to the priest, offer the perfect sacrifices because you have been healed, and you are to go to the place where you can worship God. The Samaritan goes to the place where he can worship God. We have always said that this Samaritan was a thankful Samaritan. That's the lesson, right? And that's, that's true. We, he was thankful. That was a good lesson. 
But notice what he does at first, if we go back. When he saw he was healed, he came back to Jesus, praising God. If you're a Jewish person or a Samaritan person, there's only one place you praise God, and that is the temple. That's where God dwells, is in the temple. And the surprise of this story, the most surprising, shocking thing of this story to the people who watched it happen, was that this guy realized that God was no longer at the temple, but was standing there with Jesus. That Jesus is now where we find God. That when we look at Jesus, we see God. If you haven't been coming to um, the Sunday morning Bible class, uh, Todd's um, doing a great job preaching, uh, preaching, teaching through a book um, called uh, the, the Good and Beautiful God. And uh, it's the, the whole idea is if you look at Jesus, you will find God. There's no better descriptor about who God is than to look at the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And this Samaritan comes back and praises God at the feet of Jesus. It tells you where he believes God, believes that God resides. God, this Jesus, is truly the Messiah. This Samaritan has figured something out that the disciples have yet to figure out. Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Go, get up, go, your faith has healed you. I, this is just a, the, the Bible nerd in me. Verse 19, he does this sometimes. Jesus, um, and it's, it's, it's sprinkled throughout uh, the Gospels. When he's, talk, when he's talking to somebody who's, who gets it, who has been touched by the grace of God, he says to them, rise, or get up. Same word is the same word you'd use whenever you notice, when you tell somebody to resurrect, like to stop being dead. Get up. Go. Your faith has made you well. It is with Jesus that we find salvation. It is with Jesus that we are made well. It is with Jesus that we find all the good and beautiful things that we have, that we've been blessed with. It is with Jesus that we find comfort and peace whenever things aren't going well. And when it seems like they will continue to not go well. It is with Jesus that we find that. And listen, I, I think sometimes it gets real easy to, to pack your bags, your, your holy bags, and leave them here. To leave them in this place. Say, I, I go get my God at the temple. But I believe that something greater is at work, that Jesus himself, that Jesus, the Spirit of God, dwells with us and goes with us and is for us and loves us. And that you, you are not 
far away from God when you are close to Jesus. And Jesus, the embodiment of God, chases after you. You're that special to God. Now, sometimes you may feel you don't feel it. And I understand that. But you are that special to him. Just because you don't feel it doesn't make it true. God loved you so much that he sent his representative. He sent his son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That God loves you that much. If you could wrap your head around that, I think you would start to see that your perspectives about other people change. That your perspectives about how you treat other people, how you love other people, how you interact with other people, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your kids. Because if the creator of the heavens and the earth, the perfect creator, the perfect king, Jesus, can chase after us, can love us, is worth, thinks we are worth so much that he would give up everything for us, How does that affect you? Surely you can love like that. Surely you can work like that. Because what we find at the feet of Jesus is not just some good teacher. C.S. Lewis made this argument, and um, I'm probably going to botch it. But Jesus either is the son of God, or he's a crazy person. That's the only options. Can't, Jesus can't just be a good teacher because he claimed to be the son of God. So if he was a good teacher, although he did all the great things and wonderful things, um, and, but then uh, all the while claimed to be the son of God, he's still a crazy person. If he's wrong about that, he's crazy. So the question then is, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Not just cognitively, I've I've checked the yes box, but do you believe that enough to let Jesus be king? Do you believe that enough to let God rule? Because you're going at the end of your life realize that there you had so many opportunities to let to make Jesus like decisions because that's what God wants you to do. And you gave those opportunities up. And those will be called regrets. But instead, we are called to live like God has called has wants us. To live, we are called to live like his representative. We are called to look like that Jesus. Because if we look like that Jesus, if we worship God anywhere we go, because Jesus is with us. We don't just keep him here at this building, 
Man, you change so much more. I've never seen any amount of change be affected in the world in a church building. Now, that might be the catalyst. That might be the place where it starts. But it's not where it happens. I've heard lots of sermons and probably have preached a couple of them where you're preaching at people who aren't even here. Well, you know those people out there. Well, I sure hope they wander in here and come forward because none of us are. We're not going to do it. We're holy. They're bad. Well, that's... Nothing happens here. So what we're called to do is if we go out into the world and let it happen out there. Because wherever Jesus is, so is God. And wherever you are, if you follow Jesus, so is Jesus. Let the world worship God because of what you did for the world. Let the world glorify God because of what you did in Jesus' name in the world. Yes, this is a very good moral lesson about how we should be thankful for things. But the greater calling is to push us out into a place and do the same thing that the one we follow did. So we go out into the world and we affect the world so greatly that people praise God because of it. And so we we are saying, listen... we, we are living this life not for our own glory, but so that God might be glorified. Jesus was once approached by a man who said, good teacher. You know, there's a good teacher that sort of, it was a, he was a suck up. But anyway, he approached him and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response was, why do you call me good? There's only one who's good. I think sometimes we will take on the good label real quick. If the, if the leper comes back and praises us for healing him, then we'll take it. We'll say, well, I was raised right. I have good morals. I've really, I really think about other people. But what you, sh- what you are doing in the world this week if you are following Jesus, will lead other people to praise someone. Make sure it's God. Live that out. May the world fall at the feet of Jesus and praise the God of Jesus because we followed Jesus. If you need to run this morning and fall at the feet of Jesus, I don't even care if you get halfway to lunch and need to run back. Halfway to your food temple. If you need to run and fall at the feet of Jesus today and glorify God, whether it's for the first time and say, I I want to commit, connect, follow. I I want to be a part of this movement. That is called the followers of Jesus. If, that, if that's what you need this morning, we are here for you. 
Not because we've got it all together, not because we're perfect um, examples, but because we're just we're a team in this. We're we're a family in this. We are following this Jesus imperfectly together. If you need that connection with Jesus this morning, or you need to just maybe and listen, sometimes we just we just offer the invitation for those who have are having a hard time. But maybe God's done something in your life and you want to glorify God publicly today, then by all means, please come forward while we stand and sing. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away?